Hey folks, welcome to the Freakopolis Times, our podcast mostly about stuff related to our comics and game shop, the Freakopolis Geekery. We're Ian, Tyler, and Troy, and we run the shop and talk to people all the time, just like in this podcast. Join us and some occasional guests as we talk comics, games, pop culture, and just about anything else that pops up. Remember, while some of our topics may get a little geeky, they change up pretty often, so hang in there and maybe the next one will be more your style. By the way, this podcast is video enhanced on YouTube and Spotify. Check it out that way if you like visuals with your talk. You never know what might show up. Now, let's do the show. Instead, let's talk about awesome, goofy stuff. Dad, I know you're super pumped to introduce our fan base and the world to Freakopolis' newest original creation, Logan Kilgore. Yeah, we've got some new characters in the in the works. Logan Kilgore mostly came about because of our new TikTok channel. Yeah, we um, were thinking. Kind of decided we needed a, a kind of a, a new turn for that and tr- to try a, a new angle at talking to gamers and... Uh, uh, role-playing people and tabletop gamers and uh, and take advantage of some of our production capabilities and do a little bit of a animated me an anime-meme. Yes, yeah, yeah, I suppose that's what we want to call it. Uh, yeah, you've done quite a bit of animation stuff in the past and now we're putting those skills to the test once more with these new characters, one of which is an orc and the other is a uh, cosmic amphibious soldier. Yes. Almost like a space marine. Almost, yes. But not tied down to any one particular uh, IP. We can say that he is definitely not a space marine, given that, you know, some people apparently own that combination of words. Right. Right. So that's not what he is. He is not. He's a cosmic amphibious soldier. With an obsession with skulls. And huge pauldrons. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Rather imperial sigils. <laughs> but, but he t- he's, they're going to tie in also with other characters that we've introduced before, like our Osmond the Wizard character. So people will see, you know, throughout the Lug and Kilgore experience, they'll end up seeing uh, some of our other characters. There'll be certain ways that things overlap. We're, yeah, we're pretty excited about uh, breathing some new life into what we do with animation, mm-hmm. um, a new approach for how we, you know, lay it out on the screen, how we can work with it, optimized for that TikTok mobile platform. Um, so I think it's pretty exciting. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and hopefully uh, it connects well with people. Yeah, we'll have the uh, Freakopolis expanded universe. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. If it goes well, you'll be able to get your... Your swag here at the shop. Right. <laughs> and it's a little different from the previous animations we've done uh, in that they'll likely be shorter, uh, sort of more concise yeah. little clips. Yeah, quicker hits, kind of in and out, uh, you know, drop the drop a punchline or some sort of a gamer inside joke related quip mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and move on to the next one. Yeah. It'll be fun for compilations and stuff when we get to that point. But it's definitely different. We found that, uh, you know, even 
30 seconds of animation is a huge investment of time and effort. And uh, even though you can see some of our attempts <laughs> and how far we've come and uh, what we've done on our YouTube channel, I think that this will be... Uh, Lug and Kilgore will be characters that you, you'll see quite a few bits out of, and it'll be really funny to follow their uh, continued growth. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and we'll probably talk about it some more here on the podcast as we do different things with it. Um, so this is the place to kind of get the inside view of what we're doing with our animation work. And animation, by the way, has always been a part of the plan for Freakopolis and the Freakopolis Geekery. Uh, we've tried a number of different approaches to it, and I think they were all valid and good. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, in today's world of so much media, um, finding the right combination that really makes something take off uh, uh, takes a bunch of work. And we'll see if maybe this, uh, this next one is something that people find interesting. I like them. <laughs> Yeah, they were very fun to uh, to voice over. They're goofy and uh, yeah, talk about stuff that we love. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I, it's easier. It's easier to write about it um, because it, it. They're pretty meta. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> In a freakopolis sort of way. Yeah, and uh, yeah, look forward to getting a sweet lug shirt. Tyler and I, we should we should have a uh, uh, yeah 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 okay. rep represent our characters. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get on that. Yeah, absolutely. Log headbands. <laughs>
you know, this is how you act for this scene. It's like, well, I've already been acting this character for, you know, some hours, some scenes. Yeah. And now you're going to put your spin on it, which I'm sure they come to an agreement and respect and stuff. But uh, you can sometimes kind of taste that from episode to episode, for sure. I think a big part of what a director does there then must be, you know, camera angles, cut lengths, probably involved deeply in the editing process. Some guidance to the actors, but I would believe that you got to let the actors play the character that they know how to play. Yeah, it definitely puts a lot of pressure on their performance. Guide them, for sure. Mm -hmm. But yeah, let them play their characters. There was really only an episode or two where I was like, ah, oh, they could have shot these scenes differently. Uh, but I still got what they were going for almost every time. So story-wise, I know uh, Rhaenyra was, they were going to like try and get rid of her or counter out is it, so in general is she uh, is she counted out now uh, uh did, no by no, no means is she out of that game i was yeah. gonna say this this final episode here was setting up for the greater conflict yeah. yeah which is pretty wild i think that this season as a piece of television is quite a bit of an accomplishment because it spans over 30 years of of time in its original setting you know uh that is not an easy thing to do by any means. I don't think any show I've ever watched has attempted to follow lives in a dramatic fashion so closely over so much time. Right. But it also, as far as those directors go, I get that there might be some criticism over it. And rightfully, it's difficult to watch. But part of the point of this season of television was, I think, to highlight as a piece of art how accustomed we are to brutal martial violence, you know, people being decapitated and bisected. And if it's with a axe, it's easy to watch blood go everywhere. But if it's through birth, a different kind of violence or more subtle types of violence, you know, coercion and stuff, uh, then it becomes all of a sudden much more uncomfortable to witness. And I think that they were just trying to push as a piece of art, us to kind of reflect why are we all right with one and less so with another? Well, I mean, and that's some of the reason, like, I don't watch the show because I find it a bit too visceral. Um, and not not in the combat stuff, but in the... The theme. <laughs> the various depictions of human suffering yes. that they seem to want to play out. And I know people find that intriguing to watch, but personally... Uh, I don't really have any interest in it. Yeah, ever since, you know, the Greek tragedies of old, people have enjoyed watching people go through trial and, and often fail. Right. <laughs> well, I think they nailed it. Uh, yeah. Sort of, to put it in reference to The Boys, has some very visceral stuff in it. Mm -hmm. And that makes you cringe. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But House of the Dragon, with their, yeah, sort of different take on things and the amount of splicing together of from childbirth to a battle mm -hmm. those were way tougher to watch yeah yeah they, their use of uh imagery and and symbolism is very powerful throughout and i think that they did deliver quite well with the season finale in making me want to see a season two big time and hoping that it is given a uh, nice big blank check from hbo in order to get 
you know, 3,000 extras on a field for some mass battles and mm-hmm. some wild, crazy stuff that is inevitably going to happen in the upcoming conflict in that setting. And they, you know, those actors and actresses are uh, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I think they really sold what must have been, while exciting, a difficult proposition. Like, enter one of the most <laughs> cursed IPs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Make your mark on it, you know. Try and impress a very jaded fan base. That's that's not an easy thing to ask. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody went into the season expecting it to be a bomb. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like it really kind of redeemed the the franchise. At least there's a glimmer of, you know, hope for its future and it, it continues to deliver quality television. So I've mentioned in the past uh, Resident Evil 4, I talked about it. The Black Bass Challenge. Oh yeah, you keep going back to the Resident Evil. Yes. Well, they're doing a good job with this uh, this series of games. Ever since Resident Evil 7, when they really took a look at the franchise and said, Resident Evil 6 is not even in the same ballpark as the rest of the games released in that IP. It is not a survival horror game, it's an action game. And it wasn't received as well because of that. And they were told to look at themselves and and figure out what Resident Evil really is. And they did a really killer job with Resident Evil 7 and their new engine, the RE engine, which does not stand for Resident Evil. (laughs) (laughs) They make a point of that. Everyone's like, the Resident Evil engine? They're like, oh, no. No, no. That's that's not it. (laughs) Right. But... Ever since that, they've really been doing a pretty killer job with their remakes and stuff. And finally, we got to see some Resident Evil 4 remake action. And it looks like a beautiful modernization and readaptation of a legendary game. But as I watch it, and the Dead Space remake, and the Last of Us remake, and all these other things, I wonder... Have we entered an age of all development time being dedicated towards rehashing things I've already played? <laughs> well, I, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of remakes personally. Yeah, and you know that that be that in movies or video games or any of that stuff. It just seems like unnecessary. And why don't they write something new? I mean, I I guess I'm feeling like if they're if they're remaking Resident Evil Four. What are they keeping? Like, the voice acting? No, it's been updated with new actors. They're Hmm. keeping the environments, the encounters, the general gameplay, though. Certainly enhanced. Yeah, yeah, there's some big differences uh, at the same time. Is it that they just know that, okay, that formula worked, and so as long as we stick closely to that formula for the story and... Uh, and general gameplay, then it'll be a success. I believe that's the case. Also, people my age are nostalgic for this game. You know, we played it when we were 12, 13 or so, and it kicked ass. It's awesome. It still is awesome today and holds up very well. But now they know that they have a dedicated fan base that clamors for this title. Upon any mention of it, they're like, oh yeah, that's like one of the king of survival horror games, which... I agree, I say it all the time, you know? And as a fan of the genre, I can't deny that playing through it again 
reimagined and with the power of current gen machinery is pretty enticing for sure. But yeah, stepping back, these remakes are, uh, there's so many of them now. And I feel it's as though it's a little, you know, it isn't, I feel as though it's, well, it's tough to say, but it's a little lazy, right? right. <laughs> yeah. They've already got, like you said, the layouts, all the enemy types, all the characters, what they're going to say, yeah. when they say it. The storyboard, the map design. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's the like gameplay is it, is it something you don't have to pay writers again? You know, no, I, for I real, right? Yeah. And it's just becoming more and more commonplace, which is a little bit concerning, I feel, because while I do respect these titles, often the pieces that are made by standing on their shoulders, the, the backs of giants, are going to be what I'm really going to enjoy in the modern day instead of returning to those giants again. Okay, but what if... This is like a new part of the development cycle where while the creative teams slave away for years <laughs> uh, creating these new IPs to impress the masses, uh, they're able to crank out a remake or two to keep their skills sharp. and uh, To keep the artists tired. Right, and stuff, the yeah. developers and, and coders and everything sure. needed for that sort of thing. Sony has pretty unabashedly said that the Last of Us remake was pretty much so that Naughty Dog could be practiced with PlayStation 5 hardware. You know, they said that. What well, and there's a few other reasons, of course. That's their statement. We could we've already given more than enough reasons in this <laughs> podcast, but you know that definitely speaks to some degree of uh, a shift in the industry where these dev houses are so big that in order to keep everyone hired to always have a project on the table, sometimes they have to look to the past. I think one of the interesting things, too, here is there's also, in addition to remakes, there's also remastering. Yeah. Right? And I can't argue very much with remastering because it really keeps the original programming, keeps all of the original, you know, content that can be kept, and it just reworks graphics and... Uh, optimization for mm -hmm. new platforms. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, remastering seems to make a lot of sense. Remakes, it's almost like now they're like, they're planning remakes when they're making the original. Yeah, one. yeah. Mm -hmm. with, the, with the new God of War coming out, you know, the, the 2018 one is almost five years old. There's got to be a remake on the table. <laughs> yeah. And like, what, like, Harry Potter, are they going to, you know, remake the yeah, Harry yeah. Potter movies? Lord and of the stuff Rings. And, and Lord of the Rings, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, just make them again with new actors? It certainly doesn't seem to be off the table <laughs> that they will go back and remake even such beloved things as those because, well, they sell. They do. I yeah. gotta say, I'm kind of a sucker. I'm gonna buy that Resident Evil 4 remake, you know? There's mm -hmm. no stopping me from grabbing that. It's been a long time since I played it, and it looks phenomenal from the preview that they gave but yeah the question still lingers on my mind am i just feeding into a to a new kind of process where the old becomes new endlessly i guess to some degree like we've seen it many times with like spider-man getting rebooted in the movies yeah yeah every actor gets uh three goes at spider-man then we need a new one yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know batman's been through that same sort True. of process as well so i mean it's it's not it's not uncommon um it's it is interesting to see it happen though like because batman and spider-man they've been around for you know 50 years or whatever and mm -hmm. they 
they've been re-envisioned by Such various pop culture icons. Yeah. yeah, and different artists and writers have to take the book. I mean, that's just the nature of that. But because it's a serialized book that comes out every month, um, and so many stories have been told and retold in different ways. Mm-hmm. Although it doesn't feel like every video game and every movie needs to be remade over again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is very true. There is a lot of cool new games coming out, though. There is. It's actually kind of an exciting time. It feels as though mm-hmm. that ball is rolling once more. The next what, few are you, what are you looking at? Of gaming are going to be pretty cool. I know there's Blood Bowl 3 that I'm super excited for in February. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, that game is being made in Unreal Engine 5, right? Yes, it is. Uh, it should be a pretty, I would assume and hope, a pretty graphically pleasing uh, way to play Blood Bowl. <laughs> it looks pretty awesome from the little tidbits I've seen. You just always have to hope when you're making a sequel to a game like that that it has more content than its predecessor when mm-hmm. often it's the case that they trim a little here and there and it ends up being just kind of a different version of the same thing. <laughs> I have a feeling that's probably what it'll be for the first five years that it's out exactly. until it gets all of its uh, DLCs and, and whatnot, because they can't resist that. Yeah, that's that's the nature of development, is to put out a quote-unquote complete game. <laughs> not sell, that Sell six DLC for a third the price of it. and uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that I despise that too much, because certainly games are larger than they've ever been to begin with. But... Sure as heck, you can make more money selling little tidbits afterwards, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that one's pretty exciting, for sure. You've played a lot of Blood Bowl. Oh, yeah. Then we've got uh, Burnout. Or no, Need for Speed. Need for Speed. Yes. Yeah, this new Need for Speed, which has uh, 2D kind of anime elements. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's got some cell-shaded effects, tire smoke, and different kinds of neon effects going on. A lot of it inspired by kind of a street art-esque look. Yeah, which is pretty cool. In fact, I like it because Need for Speed has been pretty stale. Uh, It suffers very much so from the problem of never quite living up to its best predecessors, where it doesn't know exactly what it wants to be. It's like, is it a tuner-based... Uh, you know, you, you build Racing up your car, yeah, yeah. street or... racer, or is it an exotic collection type game where you don't tune them at all and you do individual races? Is it open world? Mm-hmm. Are cops involved? Do you play as the cops? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like there's a They've lot tried of... a lot yeah. for a racing game. But finally, this one looks distinct, and as far as they're promising, they say it includes, you know, all your favorite features from the prior ones. It is a tuning and an exotic collection and cop racing and cop playing game. (laughs) I mean, that sounds pretty good. I'm intrigued. Mm -hmm. Um, Most Need for Speeds don't match Burnout Paradise so far. (laughs) That is the the grand standard for open world racing, isn't it? Pretty much. I mean... That map design is incredible. Like uh, Still to this day, one of the best. It should be studied. If you're going to do that genre of game, then... Look at Paradise City, because yeah. it is really amazing. They've got so much good stuff going on in that game. It's one that I still play. Um, it, you know, it has a lot of variety and a lot of options, and you can jump in and play uh, and have a really good time. And the, the interesting thing is, that franchise and Need for Speed kind of 
came together mm -hmm. under EA and they merged them. Yeah, yeah. Criterion was uh, uh, disintegrated by the great EA death laser. Mm -hmm. But those devs, their their DNA is inside of Need for Speed. You yeah, and you yeah. do see it in some of the stuff that, that goes on in Need for Speed. I, I hope we see some more of it in this next one. Yeah, and, you know, taking a risk visually, I can respect that. It looks cool. Also, it's current gen only, which is uh, a pretty cool move, I think, for Need for Speed, because they could have very easily <laughs> done another cross-gen game, which may very well have held them back, at least in frame rate and, and resolution, but maybe, per se, in loading screens or the size of their open world or the feeling of speed, you know, it actually takes a good amount of processing power to do per object motion blur and, and that kind of stuff that really sells a sense of speed in those games. So hopefully those devs use their time with current trend power well, and maybe it will end up being the definitive need for speed, you know, of the last like six entries. <laughs> right. One can hope. There's also, of course, God of War. God of War Ragnarok. Right, that's actually coming out pretty dang soon. It is, within like a little more than two weeks or so. And that game promises to have the blank check budget of Sony <laughs> along with, it seems, though it is cross-gen, some cool implementation of uh, current-gen power where they're doing like the 4K 40 FPS on HDMI 2.1 port uh, hardware, which allows you to get a really, really smooth experience with really high resolution and uh, a lot of detail, as much as the devs can pump out, which I enjoy a lot for those types of games, for sure, especially the third-person action ones. Specs like that are a little weird, though, if you have to meet them with specific hardware. Yeah, that's the thing, is... Uh, it does take a pretty modern TV to be able to capture that well. You have to hope that the devs did a good job of implementing it. There's also a targeting 120 frames per second mode, which generally on PlayStation 5, those sit around anywhere from like 70 to 110 frames per second. Right. Can be a smoother experience, especially with a variable refresh rate implementation. So a lot of cool stuff going on on that end, but of course it is still a cross-gen game, not taking full advantage of that hardware. There's going to be a lot of points where you shimmy between some rocks <laughs> as a hidden, loading, a hidden loading screen that doesn't actually need to exist. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I forgot about that. Where <laughs> Pushing open a huge door to yeah, yeah. get to the next place. Sometimes, yeah. I'm sure on PS5, that door will take 10 seconds to push open as compared to like 47 seconds on prior gen hardware, mm -hmm. but it's still going to be there, you know? They do as good of a job as they can of making it part of the presentation of the game so that you feel like it never actually happens. But at this point, with their promises of no loading screens, it's almost going to be noticeable. <laughs> it's going to be like, well, that's definitely a little right. loading screen. <laughs> no loading screens that look like loading screens mm -hmm. is what they're selling us. You know, I'm fine with that. It works. Of course, Insomniac, uh, one of Sony's other favored child, is Spider-Man team. Yeah, yeah, Spider-Man 2, they've reaffirmed is going to be current-gen only, and they, I'm sure, will promise on everything that Sony has said this hardware can deliver, because they're the ones who have come up with 
ray tracing that really shouldn't be possible on that hardware. And uh, their, their temporal injection for frame rate stuff that saves so much processing power, it's crazy. Uh, you know, a lot of PC stuff uses uh, various AI upscaling in order to save on processing power and get a lot more frame rate out of your games. And this does the same thing on console uh, through their own techniques, which is definitely something Sony loves. <laughs> yeah, Sony's developed a lot of proprietary stuff that ultimately ends up becoming mainstream and used in many companies mm -hmm. stuff i mean uh yeah under their umbrella that technology is going to be shared big time oh sure so, yeah it's well and even often even broader than that it depends on what the technology is but you know, mm -hmm. uh cd roms and dvds came from sony true and enough and right so. <laughs> that's hard to remember for me <laughs> <laughs> well i was there yes <laughs> any other games on the horizon that were calling out to you oh I'm sure there was another one or two there, but... Uh, Resident Evil 4 VR remake? <laughs> yeah. Actually... Yeah, I'd give that a try. It's going to be a thing, I'm sure, and that will be a wildly intense experience. <laughs> if you need, if you like to be scared out of your mind, yeah. uh, then VR is a great way to do survival horror. Yeah, they know it. And devs love survival horror because uh, they can be pretty cheaply made, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're not so expensive, and they are effective mm -hmm. in the VR environment. Looking forward to that being my intro to true VR, being scared witless all the time. <laughs> Get this thing off my head! <laughs> Always thinking there's a dude with a chainsaw puttering behind you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, though. <laughs> We're going to have a Halloween special next week. Yeah, we're going to be jamming it out, busting real good. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween event at the shop, you mean? On our podcast. On our oh, podcast. true enough, right? We'll have to wear our costume. <laughs> <laughs> we promise you listeners, yeah, next... We're costumed up. Next podcast, we'll all be dressed up for the occasion. No, actually, we are having a <laughs> Halloween event at the store as well. You can drop by... Sunday the 31st, I think. That's going to be... Sunday the 30th. The 30th. I knew, knew there was some kind of discrepancy there. I'm not good with dates. Sunday the 30th. Drop on by. We're going to be all dressed up. We're going to have a good time. It's candy a, and It's sales. a good opportunity for people to uh, get another use out of their Halloween getup. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's a day before Halloween, so a little bit of practice and... Applying your makeup or putting on the, the costume. Yeah, getting mm -hmm. into character. Uh, yeah, bring it in and uh, we'll, we'll be running an online uh, photo contest of costumes that people wear that day. And there'll be uh, a cool prize attached for the winner. If you could have like a professional cosplay level costume of any character, who would you be? That is a good question. I'd probably go with Iron Man. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking uh, Abraham Lincoln with his bastard sword. Right. <laughs> or zombie killing axe. Mm -hmm. Vampire killing axe. Yes. Vampire slayer Abraham Lincoln. Okay. <sighs> with like the prosthetics and everything, you know. Right. Make my, make my cheeks and my jaw look like him. <laughs> Big bushy beard. Mm -hmm. Top hat that hits the ceiling. 
<laughs> um, you know, I was going to say Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> Professional. Callback. Exactly. Uh, but uh, looking at the Deadpool over there, professionally done Deadpool costume. Oh, that would be pretty would be sweet. Sick. Yeah, yeah. He's got quite the costume this year. <laughs> He's masked up twice He's over. He's going to be tough to beat in the costume contest. And that about does it for this one. If you like hanging with us, please subscribe through your favorite podcast directory. Join our Discord and check out our shop, The Freakopolis Geekery. See you next time.